are tuned into Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. Bringing you insight from outside the mainstream, I am your host, Ryan. Today we have Democrats suddenly concerned about inflation, California looking to take a step toward erasing your personal privacy rights, and we'll look at how the Biden presidency might end next on Living with Liberty. is a good thing, right? I mean, that's what the corrupt grandpa who's done nothing but grift his entire adult life told us. It seems his fellow economic illiterates in the Democrat Party seem to have a different view on inflation, however. And it seems to be those who are in swing states and are on the ballot this fall. All of a sudden, inflation seems to be a problem for Democrats. Funny how those things change. I have a CNN article here titled Vulnerable Democrats Sound the Alarm Over Inflation Crisis by Alex Rogers and Melanie Zanona. Even government mouthpiece CNN is calling it a crisis at this point, and that's what it is. It keeps going up. Something that was transitory, that was only going to last one or two months, uh, we're now entering uh, at least a year of. There's no avoiding it at this point. It's an inflation crisis. Just like there's no avoiding the fact that we are in a recession, no matter how much the Biden regime tries to change the definition of a recession. There's an accepted definition of a recession put out there by the Democrats' favored and highly exalted experts, and now all of a sudden they want to change that definition. Interesting how that works. It doesn't work for us now. Let's change the definition of it. At some point, we, the people, need to wake up and realize that they Keep doing this to us and tell them, stop, no, that's not it. Two consecutive quarters of negative growth is a recession. That's been the general, uh, generally accepted definition. That's what we're rolling with here. Now, two of the at-risk Senate seats are Mark Kelly of Arizona and Raphael Warnock of Georgia, where major metro areas of each state have seen inflation in excess of the latest inflation a number of 9.1%, with Phoenix clocking in at a whopping 12.3%, and Atlanta not far behind at 11.5%. Imagine those numbers. 9.1 is just an average. 12.3%? Can you imagine paying 12.3% more for stuff? That, that's You have a $100, $100 
item, it's now $112.30. That's what that means for any liberals listening out know, there. As if the inflation numbers weren't enough in those two metro areas, though, both Kelly and Warnock opened their big dumb mouths and showed the entire world just how little they know about economics. So in the article, back to the article here, Kelly had this to say, as noted in the article. He said, the Biden administration needs to be looking for more opportunities to do things to lower costs. And Kelly also said this in regards to the strategic oil reserve releases. Probably don't want to end that. The price of gasoline has come down, but it's still incredibly expensive historically, and it's unaffordable for a lot of families. Now, does this idiot realize that it's not the strategic oil reserve releases that is bringing down gas prices but the fact that we are in a recession and that the futures markets see that we are in a recession and have been bringing the price down because there's going to be less demand in the future because of said recession? Does this idiot understand economics at all? No, of course not. We elect the most mediocre people to Congress, people that have done nothing in their life but grift and lie. So this idiot, of course, this idiot doesn't understand how economics works. He doesn't understand why prices are coming down at the pump. Neither does Joe Biden. Joe Biden now wants to take credit for it after saying it wasn't his fault that the prices went up in the first place. It was Putin's. So I guess because prices are coming down now, that's Putin too, right? No, of course not. Corrupt grandpa says he's doing it. His policies are working. Don't buy any of this crap. So what exactly, too, let's get back to Kelly here, though. What exactly does Kelly want Biden to do to bring prices down? What does he want to do? He just says we, uh, the Biden administration needs to work to bring prices down. How do you do that? You can't just do that because it's been proven over and over economically. Every time the government gets involved and implements a price floor or price control, prices shoot up even higher. So what does this moron want Biden to do? What exactly is he looking for? Here's what needs to be done. I'm going to tell Mark Kelly what needs to be done. What needs to be done is the federal government needs to quit spending money immediately, quit spending money we don't have, and cut taxes to spur investment and consumer spending again. You put the money back in the pockets of the consumer who are going to allocate that monetary resource much more efficiently and effectively than the government ever can. That's what needs to be done to bring prices down. Anything outside of this lane will only exacerbate the issue. But these economic illiterates don't understand that. It wouldn't surprise me if we see price controls at some point because these dummies think they can control the economy. They think they have the answers. And they, they go and they, they put an answer out there. I say an answer, put that in air quotes, uh, to, to a problem that they they themselves created and then it gets worse and then they they blame it on the other guy they blame it on the opposite party both parties are complicit in doing this democrats are just worse at doing it than the republicans are but republicans do it too and then when things do inevitably get worse economically they sit there and they wonder why they like i said they sit there and they blame the other guy i didn't do it it was him Republicans made inflation go. Republicans made these people are don't pay any attention to these idiots outside the fact of what they're doing now. Take their lies, research them, confirm that they're lies, 
confront them on it, and vote somebody else in. So now, let's get on to Raphael Warnock here. Warnock isn't even a kindergarten-level economist himself. Here's what he had to say about the situation. Congress needs to suspend the federal gas, uh, gas tax and cap insulin prices. So how? So let's think about this. How big of a dumb idea is it to suspend the gas tax? We've already covered that here. It's only an 18 cent per gallon uh, cut. I mean, it, do, it does nothing for the price of gas. It's such a stupid idea that Nancy Pelosi, repeat the line, Nancy Pelosi said that it's not clear that consumers would reap the benefits and she wouldn't even bring it to a vote in the House. That's how dumb of an idea cutting or suspending the federal gas taxes. Nancy Pelosi won't even do it. And Nancy Pelosi's a the, the king of or queen of panderers. She won't even do it. That's how stupid of an idea that is. Now imagine how much better off we'd be if old Nan stopped all the stupid ideas from hitting the house floor. This country would be amazing. But you know, she, she's got her own stupid ideas that she likes. Apparently, she draws the line at uh, kicking 18 cents back to the, <laughs> back to the uh, consumer. She's not going to, uh, she doesn't feel like putting a feather in her cap for doing that, I guess. Uh, anyway, now, as for capping insulin prices, another moronic idea. Insulin shot up because the government decided it needed to get involved in the health care and health insurance game. That's why insulin went up. Additionally, there are only three manufacturers of insulin and no generic competition. So in essence, it's a monopolistic market in which there's no real price pressure on the product. There's no competition in the market for insulin. So you've got government with their hands in the healthcare game driving prices up. You've got three manufacturers of insulin, in the, and that's it. There, there's no other generic competition at all for insulin. So what happens? You've got a, a market, a monopolistic market, where these companies can charge they, what they want, and they are. Insulin is shot way through the roof over the years here. So now, what would happen if Captain Economics here, Raphael Warnock, got his wish and capped insulin prices. Well, you would then see the remaining manufacturers say, screw it, we aren't going to be making that at a loss, and start, and they'll stop making insulin altogether. That's what will happen if you cap the price. These companies aren't going to make something for a loss because the government capped the price. They'll, they'll stop making it. Why would I keep producing something I take a loss on? These are the kinds of consequences that don't get through or get, that don't get any thought when we elect the most mediocre among us who have done nothing of note in their lives, when they haven't owned a business, when they haven't run a business, when they haven't even uh, had a role in a business. They've done nothing but grift their whole lives. This is the kind of thought process you get with these idiots. They don't think things through. They don't think about what would happen, okay, Historically, what's happened when we've capped prices and put a price control in place? Well, prices have actually shot up. The price control did nothing. What if we cap prices on insulin? Well, the prices will shoot up more. And, oh, by the way, uh, the manufacturers will stop making it because they're not going to make something at a loss, especially something like insulin that has a, a very wide distribution and, and 
you know, is, is a need. They're not going to make it at a loss. Now, a better option for Raphael Warnock here, let me give him an idea. A better option would be to, to incentivize generic manufacturers to make insulin, and that would drive the price down because now you have actual competition in the market. It's simple economics. More competition will equal more supply and therefore drive the price down. But they won't try that, and here's why. These are opportunities for these clowns to justify their jobs, so they just try to control things. They break it, and then they say, here's the solution. And you know what? They're not competent to even fix what they broke. And then it blows up in their face when they try to fix it, and then they blame the other side. Like I said, the Republicans do it too. The best thing these idiots can do is reduce regulation, cut taxes, and spur competition, and let the market take care of the rest. If you are listening to the audio-only show and your platform allows for reviews, please give us a five-star review. It helps others find the show. Whether you're listening to the audio version or are viewing on Rumble or YouTube, hit the Rumble or Thumbs Up button. No matter the platform, be sure to hit that subscribe button. The more subscriptions we have, the more the show gets into the recommendations made by the algorithms, and the more we are able to spread the truth. Okay, moving on. The march towards your privacy rights being stripped keeps going. I have a political piece here titled, Want to Know How Much Your Colleagues Make? California Might Crack Open Companies' Books by Alexander Nieves. This this whole article, this whole... uh, kind of planned by California to, to make known how much people make in, in private company. This is in private companies. We already have a- access to uh, public, infer- you know, public employee salaries. This is private companies. This is not you know, anything about uh, pay gaps, gender pay gaps, anything like that. This is about eliminating your right to a private self. That is what this California proposed law is. And I'll get to this in a minute about how this is more about eliminating the right to the private self than the gender, gender pay gaps. Now, this proposed bill applies to companies with 250 or more employees. So you have to have 250 or more employees and includes companies that have operations in California but are headquartered elsewhere. So that means if you have a company that, say, like a consulting firm that has less than 250 employees in California, but company-wide has 250 employees or more, they are also subject to this bill. Just because you're not headquartered in California doesn't mean you escape this bill. If you have operations in California, you are, as a company, would be required to report employee salaries. Now, as expected, business groups are already lobbying uh, business-friendly Democrats, and I'm sure Republicans, if they need to, I'm sure the Republicans in California are against this. At least they should be. If they're not, vote them out. But uh, business groups are already lobbying uh, uh, the business-friendly Democrats. And this are, as the article notes here, it says this, they, these, groups are being lo- or, uh, these groups are lobbying the Democrats to defang or kill the California measure, arguing that the data would be misleading and expose companies to costly litigation, and it would push some employers to leave the state. Uh, yeah, 
This is a total invasion of privacy, not only on the business's behalf, private enterprise, but also that of the workers as well. Businesses are not going to operate in that type of environment. You know, uh, here's another thing, another short-sighted proposal put out there by mediocre people who have done nothing in their lives. You can tell right away. So here's what will happen. If this bill is pushed through, what you'll see happen is the large companies pull their operations out of California altogether. Done, end of story. They will pull out, they'll pull out their people. They'll say, sorry, uh, if I've got, uh, let's say, like, go back to the consulting example. If they've got, you know, however many, let's say, 50 consultants in the state of California, they'll probably say, look, you know, we're going to relocate you out of California. If you want to stay with the company, we'll relocate you, but you're going to move out of California. We're not going to operate there anymore. You're going to see businesses with like a warehouse or a plant or something in California, shut those down and move them to probably a surrounding state. Companies aren't going to put up with this. They're not going to put up with this kind of requirement. They're going to just move their operations. If it can, uh, if it can be done cost-effectively, they may try to create a separate spin-off standalone entity in California to be under that employee count. If they can figure that out cost-effectively and if there's some sort of legal loophole within this bill that they would find, this proposed bill, I don't want to say it's a law yet, a proposed bill. But by and large, the response is going to be companies are going to pull out of California. And I just covered uh, a little while back uh, about how Smithfield is closing their plant in California and moving it to the Midwest because they can't deal with the red tape and taxes and high costs there. So this will be, you pass this California, there's going to be a mass exodus as a business out of California. And the only employer left in California will be the mom and pop shops and the government. Now, as I said, the claim here is this, this needs to be done in the interest of closing the pay gap between men and women. Now, I have a CBS article here titled, The Gender Pay Gap is a Myth by Steve Toback. I'll link this. I'll put a link to the entire article. And then there's another piece I found uh, as to why this is a myth in the description box. I encourage you to read them both. Both are great articles. The one by Steve Toback uh, focuses on more of the business, uh, if you will, business explanations. And the other article focuses on the differences between men and women and how we look at life and how we pursue a career and our brain structure and how our brains operate, which is very fascinating and is also a great explanation into why the gender pay gap is a myth. So I encourage you to read both those pieces. Now, full disclosure, the CBS piece is from 2011. That's why I put the other piece in there to support this because the other piece is, from, is much more recent. But even though the CBS piece is from 2011, it's still as relevant today as it was then. Since what, what's changed in the workforce since 2011? Nothing. We haven't, we haven't knocked women down a peg. We haven't made them second-class employees, right? So nothing's changed. So this CBS article, to me, as I read it, did a little more research, found this other article, is still as relevant today, even though it's an 11-year-old article. Now, this CBS article starts out with this gem of a statement. It says this, 
The data is clear that for the same work, men and women are paid roughly the same. Now, as someone who has managed people in several companies across multiple industries, I can tell you that this is still a fact today. Again, which is why I'm comfortable putting a article, an article in here from 2011 because I've lived this in the last five, six years of my career. I've hired people. I've promoted people. I know what I've paid people. I've had men. I've had women. And I can tell you that they're, uh, the pay for someone in the same role, for a man and a woman in the same role with the same basic experience, I've paid roughly the same. Men and women who are in the same role with the same experience level are paid roughly the same. I'm repeating the line again. (laughs) There are factors in kind of this data, this uh, uh, employment data and this salary data that could explain the slight differences you'd see in the scenario where you have a man and a woman, same experience, blah, 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 same role. There's slight differences in their salary still. And those differences you would see would be so things like year-to-year job performance, different certifications that each one may hold, et cetera. So there, there's a couple things. There's some factors in there why you might see someone paid more than someone else in the same role. But By and large, men and women who hold the same role and have roughly the same experience, been in the job, this is the roughly the same length of time, are paid roughly the same. And then there's this whole job choice factor. And this gets, uh, this is what the CBS article get into this a little bit more. But you have men that tend to choose higher paying jobs, higher stress jobs, jobs that are more dangerous. Think of a lineman for an electric company, high-risk job. You don't see a lot of women doing that. Construction, you don't see a lot of women doing that. You look at jobs in the doctoral field. You see men that, that men tend to take the more high-stress jobs. You see more men surgeons than women surgeons. Women tend to trend towards things that will pay less in the doctoral field, like pediatrics or something like that. Surgery is a, it's a skill. It's a high-pressure uh, high job. You're going to get paid more for that. And you know what? Women that choose those same types of jobs are paid just the same as we have just illustrated here with the example before. So if, women, if a woman goes in and says, I'm going to be a surgeon and, and, and is a surgeon, you have a, a woman doctor that's a surgeon, she's going to be paid comparable to what a male surgeon would be. Again, factors of experience, et cetera. Men and women are just different and value different things when it comes to a career. This is another, uh, you know, one of those things that is easily debunked, if you will, when it comes to a gender pay gap. Men and women value different things when it comes to a career. Generally speaking, of course, you know, we, it's, you can't make, okay, well, this, is a, this applies to all men and then it's all women. No, it's... It's generally speaking, the numbers bear it out. Men will work longer hours. Women prefer shorter hours, shorter work weeks. Men are more motivated by money, women less so. So we have all these explanations for this that never, when you hear this about we've got to close the gender pay gap, 
They're never comparing apples to apples when they say that. So there is no gender pay gap, as we've just illustrated. It's just different choices men make versus women when it comes to a career. And then, to, to top this all off, there's this beauty from the Census Bureau, uh, some data that's noted in the article, the CBS article. It shows that unmarried women who have not had children actually earn more than unmarried men. So you go to the government's own data to debunk this idea that there is some sort of gender pay gap and that women are being oppressed in the workplace. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but to to think it's a widespread problem is ludicrous. And it's ludicrous to note that in California, that they're bringing this law to, uh, to I'm assuming to a vote here, to close some sort of mythical gender pay gap. This California law is not about closing a gender pay gap. It's about the government marching towards eliminating your privacy. This is about getting people used to the fact that we're going to have some private information about them made public so then it becomes easier for more of your private information to be made public. It becomes more easier than for the government to weasel its way in and monitor what you're doing. They are just using the cover of the non-existent gender pay gap as the vehicle in this instant to try and pass a bill that takes away privacy rights. The first thing here, it's first it's this your salary. We're going to get you used to this. We're going to publish all the salaries. Then all of a sudden they're in your bank accounts. Then they're monitoring your, store, your spending habits. Then they have control over your credit cards. And before you know it, we all have social credit scores that have to be maintained in order to transact in society. And if you think I'm kidding... Ask someone in China about it. This bill, this proposed bill in California is about erasing the autonomy you have over your life and crushing freedom and liberty. That is what this bill is about. And, of course, don't think that this would pertain to the elites at all because you and I both know it won't. Now, if you want proof of this, let's look no further than Old Joe's COVID battle for yet another example as to how there's two tiers of expectations and information sharing in this country. Remember when contact tracing was a thing? And those that got con- uh, contact traced and, and had COVID basically had to do the six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing to see who you needed to send the busybodies at the health department to next. You, you remember all that when the government... The health department was knocking on your door. You reported you had COVID. There they are. They're contact tracing, and now they're going to invade, you know, whoever else's privacy, whatever other 20 people you came in contact with. Yeah, so when it comes to figuring out where Biden got it, the White House House said, don't worry about it. They just said, "Ah, ah, don't worry about it. Don't you smelly Walmart shoppers worry about where Biden picked up COVID. You just be ready the next time we want to invade your privacy again. You be ready for the monkeypox 
pandemic that's coming here. Just get yourself ready for that because we got some special things planned for you. And oh, don't worry about how he wasn't following CDC guidelines either after being infected. You deplorables, just follow directions and do as you're told by your bureaucratic overlords. Don't question the science or experts. Two tears, folks. The choice is up to you as to whether you're going to allow it or not. Give us a follow on social media. If you are on Facebook, follow the Living with Liberty page. If you happen to be on Telegram, you can follow Living with Liberty there as well. We have a channel. Or if you are on TikTok, follow the Living with Liberty page there, the Living with Liberty account there, to see our show clips. I post uh, basically Monday through Friday, Sunday through Thursday, sort of thing, some show clips on there from the previous show. So if you're on TikTok, go ahead and give us a follow there. Of course, you can always follow me at my social media home on Parlor. My handle there is at Living with Liberty. Okay, onward. The globalist overlords are trying real hard to get this monkeypox thing off the ground. They want the next, they got the next pandemic in the cannon ready to fire. Problem with the monkeypox, it's not taking off. <laughs> Notice how it quieted down, and now we're hearing more about monkeypox again. Um, they're trying real hard to get this thing going. So the corrupt WHO declared it a global health emergency. Yes, the same WHO who covered up COVID for the CCP is now telling us to be worried about monkeypox. A disease, by the way, that's infected 16,000 people at this point, And it killed five in Africa. And by all accounts, the five in Africa that died uh, were because they did not have access to proper health care. And if we're being honest, let's be honest here. It wasn't actually the WHO as a whole, their, uh, their panel there that decides these things. It wasn't that panel at the WHO that decided monkeypox needed to be a global health emergency. No, it was Dr. Tedros unilaterally making the decision by overriding the panel, actually. The, the actual panel said, no, this isn't a global issue. This monkeypox, not a global issue at all. And Dr. Tedro said, nah, you know what? Um, she called me. He said, this needs to be a global uh, issue. We're going to make it a global health emergency. So what is the play here with this? So you have Dr. Tedros, who's already covered up for the CCP. Anything coming out of this guy's mouth is a lie. I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe this guy for a second. So what is his play here? Is it that he's trying to restore some credibility in the WHO by trying to get ahead of some virus that is by all accounts not going to be a grave risk to people? It's not going to be a pandemic. And is being spread chiefly amongst one certain group of the population? Because if that's what it is, if he's trying to get some credibility built up in the WHO, again, good luck. The first step in any credibility being restored to the WHO is that clown Tedros stepping down. Or is this this whole Tedros power play, is it his Chinese masters telling him that this is the next pandemic? Tedros, you, you must tell uh, the world that this is a global uh, a global health emergency, these monkeypox. What is it here? And you know what? You, you know what makes this even better? What makes this even more comical? This declaration that monkeypox is a global health emergency? 
What makes this even better is the WHO is admitting that anyone who takes the monkeypox vaccine is basically part of a clinical trial. Hey, that sounds familiar. We have we have some uh, health emergency pop up. We we have a vaccine, but we don't know what it does. So hey, you're basically part of the clinical trial. Here you go. Seems like we just went through something similar to that, but. The only difference is I don't think the WHO advised us that we were uh, really doing a a clinical trial of a new and unproven technology that ultimately caused worse health problems than the coronavirus and really didn't end up doing vaccine-y things anyway. I, for one, will be having none of this buffoonery from this useless organization. I'm not listening to them. I'm bringing this up somewhat for comedy, somewhat so you can be aware, too. I'm having none of this crap from this organization. The WHO doesn't dictate what we do here in this country. There will be no lockdowns, no business shutdowns, no mask wearing, and certainly no taking of their poison jabs. I will not be your clinical trial. It seems, you know what it seems to me? It seems like they're trying to set up Plandemic 2.0, and I, along with a majority of others, are having none of it, will do none of it, and will fight back against it. Now, on day one, after Biden, or more likely Harris, shuttles off in their U-Haul from the White House, I expect that Trump or DeSantis or whoever ends up in the White House that isn't a Democrat once again pulls us out of the WHO, and I would encourage them, do not stop there, pull us out of all of these useless, corrupt world bodies. All right, finishing up today. What does the end of the Biden presidency look like? Now, looking around, I think if we're being honest, most of us have been honest for a while. I think Democrats are getting more honest with themselves. The end of the Biden presidency may end up being sooner rather than later. It's obvious Joe Biden is rapidly declining. It's obvious he has been. It's obviously he was not the Joe Biden of the Obama administration when uh, the, the whole campaign started for president. It was obvious he was in decline. It's obvious he's rapidly declining. And it's obvious whatever pills Dr. Jill gives him that takes his energy up from a hibernating bear to a feeding sloth aren't working anymore. There's more and more data coming out that even the Democrats do not want him to run again in 2024. So you have that too. You, be, In essence, we have a lame duck president. Be honest. Democrats, be honest with yourselves too. Joe Biden is a lame duck president. So what if he, you know, what if uh, he did run in 2024? He's not even capable of doing that anyway. He wouldn't be capable of it now. He wouldn't be, if, if we had a presidential election this year, he wouldn't be capable of running. So how does this little playtime at the White House end? How does this little LARPing adventure of the corrupt Bidens end? I don't foresee the 25th Amendment being used, honestly. I say that because we all know Biden can't keep a secret. He just blurts out whatever is on his mind. And I think that with the 25th Amendment would all but guarantee Harris as president. I don't think Democrats want that either, honestly. So they're they're trying to weekend at Bernie, uh, weekend at Bernie's Biden through this presidency. He's not going to make it. This presidency is going to end sooner rather than later. So, I say that's not going to be the 25th Amendment because we know Biden just blurts out whatever's on his mind. 
So I don't think that him slipping uh, out there that he has cancer was an accident. Now, what I can foresee happening here, and this is just being because America's most corrupt grandpa has been such a long-time public servant. This is why I can see this happening. I see that over the next few months leading into and possibly out of the midterms going into early next year, Biden has a series of publicized health issues that finally get to the point where he's able to use them as to gracefully step down from the presidency as opposed to getting the 25th Amendment treatment, which, oh, by the way, he should have been 25th Amendmented on day one. He should have, they should have let him get inaugurated in, and then they should have presented him with the articles for the 25th Amendment, whatever that process is, uh, right after he took the oath of office for president. It was obvious on day one he wasn't fit mentally to do the job. But let's give Corn Pop the benefit of the doubt here. And say he actually did have COVID. We heard it all. Oh, he's taking plaques of it. He's he's uh, got mild symptoms. And oh, you smellies, don't worry about where he got it. Okay, so did he have it or not? Did he? We saw him coughing. There's um, a video of uh, of him out there, like with a kind of a dry cough. I think he was in Israel or something. So he's coughing all over the mic and everybody there listening to him. So did he have some sort of cold? Was it the dry desert air? Who knows. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the guy lies all the time, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say he actually did have COVID. So what this does now, this COVID diagnosis does, is it gives his handlers, well, what's left of them anyway, enough cover to concoct a bunch of stories about how he may be suffering from post-COVID complications and that they have been getting progressively worse and it's been decided that it's in everyone's best interest that Biden step away from the presidency. Or, as I said, you let this cancer thing slip, so maybe there's some other plan for progressive health issues that culminates with a cancer diagnosis. Biden did mention having cancer, after all. Could he have cancer? He might. I don't know. And maybe they're, it's not progressing fast, and maybe it's something they're holding back to make the, that be the excuse that he steps down. Who knows? The guy, Like I said, the guy lies all the time. What I do think that happens... Uh, What I do think will happen here is that at two years and one day of the Biden presidency, after he was officially installed in office, he will step down and the word saladin hyena LARPing as our vice president will then get to LARP as our president. And the Dems will wait until that two year and one day mark so that cackling Kamala is eligible to be elected to to the full two terms as president. It's clear Joe Biden will not make it to the end of his first term as president. He will, he will not. I'm, the, the, it's obvious he will not make it. So the question then becomes, will he just end up resigning? Will they concoct some story of health issues? Or will he be forced out via the 25th Amendment? Those are the two choices in front of us now. Either way, I think the Biden presidency does not last four years. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for tuning in. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living With Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. 
Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor. My handle is at livingwithliberty. You can also email me. The address is ryan at livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.